0: Today's episode of Lions of Liberty is brought to you by MathBot.com. MathBot.com is a fun little game that fills a serious hole that the public and even the private schools miss, and that is knowledge of programming and the math behind programming. MathBot.com gives parents a much-needed tool to make sure their children don't fall behind in this new information age. Software is eating the world, and those who don't know how to code will be left behind as more and more jobs become automated. MathBot.com gives kids and even adults like me, the knowledge needed to thrive in this new world. MathBot may just seem like a fun and simple game, but behind the scenes it uses the same method, Julius Caesar, Isaac Newton, Einstein, and everyone else were all taught math before the state got its greasy hands into education. This method goes all the way back to classical Greece, the dawn of civilization. MathBot will gradually upload the math and logical skills needed to understand programming into the mind of any player. It's said that the pen is mightier than the sword, But now code is even mightier than the pen. So become mighty and learn to code over at mathbot.com. Lions of Liberty Nation, and welcome back to the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast, where you can find me right here every single Monday hosting great conversations about the ideas of liberty, and I've got a really, really big one for you today. I'm very excited to bring it to you, so excited that I'm going to waste hardly any more of your time. I'm going to have some stuff to tell you at the end of the show after the interview, but first, I do want to at least let you know that to find today's show notes, you want to go to lionsofliberty.com slash 392, because this is the 392nd episode of this program, getting very close to that 400 mark. Stay tuned for some more thoughts after today's Killer interview. <laughs> My guest today is a United States Congressman and self described libertarian Republican representing Michigan's 3rd Congressional District since 2011. He is the founder and chairman of the House Liberty Caucus as well as a founding member of the House Freedom Caucus. CNN recently referred to him as the loneliest Republican in Congress. I'm very pleased to welcome Congressman Justin Amash. Congressman, are you ready to roar? I am. All right. Well, you know, Congressman, I don't know how accurate you think uh, CNN's headline is about how lonely you might be in Congress, but I certainly hope you don't feel lonely here because right now you are speaking to Lions of Liberty Nation, to libertarians around the globe who I can personally attest are very excited to learn more about you. So before we get a little bit more into uh, just why CNN believes you to be so lonely in Congress, I want to learn more about you. So why don't you take us a little bit along the journey of how you first became interested in politics, how you came to embrace the ideas of liberty and eventually to run for Congress to that end.
1: Well, thanks for having me on. Um, Absolutely. I think I've always been a libertarian since I was a little kid. You know, as I've gotten older, of course, my views have crystallized a little more. I have a better understanding of what it means to be a libertarian. Um, I've obviously read a lot more at this point than when I was a little kid. Uh, so I have a better understanding of uh, maybe where my views come from and, and, uh, and why I believe the things I believe. Um, but... I would say from an early time in my life, I was against arbitrary authority. Um, I was a real stickler for uh, this concept of the rule of law, even as a child, like the idea that uh, rules should be laid out in advance and they should be understood and they should apply equally. Um, As I got older, I... um, I went to Michigan, I studied economics, I also got my law degree from Michigan, and I thought I'd probably go in more of the law direction, um, practicing law, but in many ways I found it um, unfulfilling. I know there are a lot of people who love practicing law, and and I think that's great, Um, but I wanted to get out there and meet more people, talk to more people, and try to um, lead some more change on a, uh, in a more um, public way than uh, in a legal practice, which is more of a you know, private way of changing things. Right. Um, so I was looking at uh, what was going on in the state legislature and found that both parties were doing the wrong thing consistently and thought to myself, well, you know, maybe what our government needs is someone who's going to go in there and uh, be different from both of these parties. And uh, I was planning to run as a Republican because I've always been a Republican and um, still believed, uh, certainly at the time, that many Republicans shared my views and had uh, libertarian leanings. Um, but, you know, I mean, I mean I mean, that the party had libertarian leanings, but uh, obviously that's changed quite a bit over time. I think that they're not quite as libertarian as i thought they were um but one of the things i would say that influenced me to to really get involved was my dad's background especially um both of my parents are immigrants my dad is a refugee and he came to america with uh, basically nothing you know he was sponsored uh, to come here as a palestinian refugee and he started from scratch and um and really worked hard and always told us as we were growing up how wonderful it was to live in this country where anyone could succeed, and it didn't matter what your last name was, or your ethnic background, or your religion, um, you could come here and work hard and provide for your family. And I saw that as something that was disappearing from our country, um, and certainly from the state of Michigan at the time. Uh, And I wanted to get involved. You mentioned at first
0: it started out as as more of a gut instinct thing. It just kind of maybe felt right to question arbitrary authority. And obviously, as you kind of went along in your journey and learned more about the philosophy, it sort of ended up lining up with those beliefs. So I'm curious, who were some of your biggest influences philosophically as you learned more about the ideas of libertarianism?
1: So I would say that my earliest influence was um, F.A. Hayek. And uh that came about because I was trying to figure out where my philosophy sat sort of in the political spectrum, and I went on to um, Google, I think, and just uh, searched for um, Hayek and up or I searched for uh, you know my my particular views, and up popped Hayek and um, found him on his Wikipedia page, and learned about the road to serfdom there. So, I bought the book and started reading, and uh, discovered uh, a man who uh, you know basically was outlining my philosophy um, and he'd done it long before I was around so um, it was kind of exciting to see that to see that there was someone there who was a pretty prominent figure in the philosophical um, economics world, and uh, had had views that were like mine, and then from there I uh, picked up some Bastiat, I um, I read some Ayn Rand, I you know started to um, expand into other areas and and see what others had to offer, but but um, I'd say deep down at heart I am uh, mostly a, a Hayek man. Um, I would call myself a Hayekian libertarian. I'd say Hayek's my favorite guy. And, you know, I like Bastiat, I like um, Henry Hazlitt, there are many others who have uh, played a big role in my my life, but um, Hayek's Hayek's the real guy for me.
0: It is always something of a moment for libertarians when we start to come into these ideas and and at some point in our lives, it feels like we're the only one out there that has them. And uh, there is kind of a revelation when you not only find other human beings, but start to actually read books by obviously very accomplished academics that totally line up with what you already believe.
1: Yeah, it it was exciting. Um, I knew there was something a little bit different about my views from many of my Republican friends, um, I I, I use as an example, um, you know, criminal cases. I had a tendency to, um, you know, root for the defense attorneys um, in many of these cases, not because I thought, you know, necessarily the person was not guilty, but because uh, I didn't like government abuse of power, and I wanted to make sure the government was always being held accountable for what it was doing. And um, if there was ever any indication that the government was gathering evidence in the wrong way or doing anything uh, the wrong way to get a conviction, that bothered me. And uh, I noticed a lot of my Republican friends were uh, very strongly on the side of uh, prosecutors regardless of the circumstances of the case, And, and I didn't like that. Um, So that was an indication that there was something a little bit different.
0: Well, that's a nice segue to something you mentioned a moment ago about how the Republican Party is is maybe not as libertarian as you once hoped it might be. And uh, the CNN article that I referenced in your introduction called you the loneliest Republican in Congress, citing the fact that you have fallen a bit out of favor, even with fellow members of a caucus that you were a founding member of, uh, the Freedom Caucus, as many of those members have been more supportive of President Trump's agenda, whereas you, I believe, have only voted with the president a little less than 60% of the time since he's been in office. so, do you in fact feel like you're becoming more lonely in Congress, even amongst your fellow re- Republicans?
1: I certainly feel uh, lonelier, but um, not personally lonely. But right, right, lo- <laughs> politically. Here. Yeah, politically lonelier here in Congress. I, of course, have my friends like um, Thomas Massey. Um, sure. But you know, a lot of a lot of my closest allies um, have moved on or or passed on. We lost a uh, good guy, Walter Jones. Um, who was not a libertarian but was very independent um very much uh, his own man in congress and and um you know his loss is a big loss but but also uh people like raul labrador um you know left congress and and mark Sanford uh lost a primary you know uh, with the help of the president, the president was challenging him, and he lost a primary so you know we've lost some good people here. And um, that means that, you know, I'm I'm politically lonelier here, but I would say that if you look at the um, voting records of even the House Freedom Caucus members, those are among the people who vote least often with the president as well. So I I think it's... um, a mistake to assume that just because the House Freedom Caucus members are often out there promoting what he's doing, that they that they vote the same way he would want them to vote. I think a lot of them are actually quite independent, and and so we're not as far off as um, some people might uh, make it out to be. But you know, I still feel uh, a little bit out of place now.
0: One area where you recently broke from uh, many in the party was your vote against uh, President Trump's emergency uh, declaration for border wall funding. Why did you feel it was important to take a stand against that declaration?
1: Well, because I don't think we can um, delegate legislative powers to the president. And it seems to me that this was a clear attempt um, by statute to delegate something that is a legislative responsibility. Uh, We have a whole appropriations subcommittee and bill dedicated to military construction and veterans affairs. So military construction is a, it's a significant portion of the legislative appropriations process. And yet, um, here's a statute that many are relying on saying that we can delegate essentially all of military construction to the president. He can basically just move the money around however he wants. Well, that's, that's giving him an appropriations power and, um, You know, that's not something we can grant uh, under our Constitution. So uh, if I wouldn't want uh, a Democratic president to do it, I wouldn't want a Republican president to do it either. I don't think it's right uh, under our Constitution. It doesn't matter who the president is.
0: Oh, that is a quality you seem to put forward, is always being willing to take the principled stance regardless of who it, it puts you against and regardless of who it aligns you with. Uh, you often do cross the aisle, so to speak. Uh, I know you've partnered with Tulsi Gabbard many times on a uh, war on drugs legislation and um, you know on foreign policy matters and that sort of thing. Uh, do you get any flack from from members of your party, any pushback when you partner with someone like Tulsi Gabbard, who obviously you have many disagreements on at a base philosophical level, but when you can partner on on really important issues, I mean, I think that's very important, but does that cause you any trouble within your own party?
1: No, it hasn't caused me trouble here on Capitol Hill. And I think um, people might be surprised to hear this, but I probably get more pushback from uh, politically active people on Twitter and elsewhere than I do from people in Congress. Um, My Republican colleagues have been uh, pretty good for the most part in terms of uh, how they treat me and and how we work together. And, And I don't think that the level of vitriol here on Capitol Hill is nearly what you see on social media or even like at a town hall, perhaps. So um, this is something that's uh, maybe surprising to a lot of people. But, um, you know, here on Capitol Hill, my friends are all are all, you know, nice people and they don't mind that uh, sometimes I'm going to side with Democrats on a particular measure where I think it's a more libertarian position.
0: Uh, since your time in Congress, uh, you've been there since 2011, I'm curious if there's any specific bill or legislation that you push forward, even if it's maybe something that didn't actually go through, but is there anything that you are most proud of uh, kind of standing up for?
1: Yeah, um, a couple things. One would be the um, Amash Conyers Amendment, where we tried to rein in the NSA, Um I think that was an important moment. It brought Republicans and Democrats together. Um, And you had Republicans and Democrats on both sides of the issue, which was a really interesting time where you had a non-partisan split. Um, It wasn't really along partisan lines at all. And I I think that was good for our country to have people voting on what they believed rather than just going with party leadership. And, um, you know, we were challenging the leaders of both parties on that issue, and still very, came very close to uh, to succeeding there. So that was important to me. Um, I also have a balanced budget amendment that I think is a really uh, good measure that would actually work, um, unlike most bal- balanced budget amendment proposals. And uh, I, I reintroduce it every, um, every term, and it balances the budget along uh, business cycles. So it balances current spending against the... Uh, tax revenues of the previous three years, and um, I think it's a it's a good proposal. It's designed to be appealing to people in both parties, um, and the goal is just to get the budget balance, not to dictate particular policy outcomes.
0: Has that garnered much support when you brought it forward? I know that
1: yeah, uh, today yeah.
0: politicians don't seem generally that that concerned with the budget for the most part. So.
1: So um, over time, we haven't pushed it as um, heavily. So in the in the most recent congresses, we haven't pushed it as much. Um, but when I first introduced it, uh, when budget issues were apparently more important to people, um, yeah, it garnered pretty good uh, bipartisan support. And um, I think it's uh, a very popular approach. You know, I've had a lot of people promoting it. Um, outside of Congress so it's it's a, it's a good proposal and I'm proud of it.
0: all right now congressman uh, one thing I have to ask you about because my fans will absolutely destroy me if I don't. Uh, recently you were on CNN speaking to Jack Tapper and he asked you if you would be willing to consider running for the White House on the libertarian ticket in 2020 to which you responded that you would never rule anything out though it wasn't really something on your radar and this was just you know less than two weeks ago but there has been a lot of buzz amongst libertarians about you since that clip sort of started going around so so I'm curious, even in the last two weeks or so, considering how you know maybe more lonely you find yourself politically nowadays, is the idea of changing your party affiliation and perhaps even running on a presidential ticket for a third party like the Libertarian Party, is it maybe slightly more on your radar than it was a few weeks ago?
1: Well, it's more on my radar every day because um, I, I keep getting asked about it now. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I think there were just some people sort of, talking about it on social media and then jake tapper must have picked up on that and asked me the question so now more people are talking about it so obviously i'm thinking about it a little more but um you know i i just think it's important that we offer some alternative and i think we need someone out there who can uh, be a bridge for people who can present a libertarian message but also bring people together Um, And I think the libertarian message is one that unites people across the political spectrum. I think of it as a a fairly moderate approach to governing. Um, The idea that we follow a constitution, um, we follow the rule of law, and we uphold liberty. Uh, I think this is a moderate approach to our government. and, And it's, I think, what most people want. Most people who aren't politically active, who are just at home, um and don't wanna to have to think about government. They kinda of want our government to just stay out of their lives for the most part. Stop messing things up and um, stop dividing everyone.
0: So I'll take that as a, a maybe <laughs>
1: <laughs> for
0: now. Uh, you know, and During the, the recent testimony, this is something I, I really found fascinating. The, the question that you posed um, during the, the testimony of Michael Cohen, you asked Michael Cohen, what is the truth that the pres- that President Trump is the most afraid of people knowing? So I kind of want to toss that question back to you on, on a slight twist of it. And Congressman, I, I'm curious, what does Justin Amash fear the most?
1: What do I fear the most? Boy, that's a... Uh, that's <laughs> that's a
0: curveball, that, I know. I yeah, didn't a for curveball.
1: <laughs> Let's see. Sort of, I, I guess I, I fear um, the concept of complacency. You know, um, it's easy in this job when you're sort of beat up every day, especially when you're independent, to just throw your hands up in the air and just give up and, uh, and say, why am I going to do this? Like what, what's the point of any of it? And that's something that I think, um, someone in my position is always going to struggle with. Uh, you know, you need the motivation every day. And I, I hear a lot of, um, positive things and encouragement from people at home. So that's always helpful, but you know, it's easy to fall into sort of despair and think that, um, things can't be turned around. And, and that's something I fight every day. And, um, you know, I want to go out there and make a difference, and I think I can. Well, I think
0: that's a great message to wrap up with, and I know that regardless of whatever or whatever political path you end up taking going forward here, that you will continue to fight for what you believe in and continue to fight for the ideas of liberty. And I know uh, my myself and my audience certainly appreciate that. Congressman, I know you have some votes to get to, so I will let you go, but I really do want to thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on the show. Keep up the great work and keep on roaring. If there's any final words you want to impart upon my audience, uh, I will allow you to do that right now.
1: Well, I want to, first of all, thank you so much for having me on here. Of course. And I'd be happy to come on again. I know we had to cut this one a little bit shorter than, than we had hoped. And, great, uh, yeah, that'd be I great. Just wanna, I just want to thank my friend, Dr. Eric Larson, for encouraging me to come on. So. Yes, I do as well. He was the one that, that
0: got us connected here. He's a great guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, all right. Uh,
0: thanks so much. Right. Really appreciate it. All right, it. thank you, Congressman. Yep. And may, may liberty guide you in your votes, as always. Thanks so much. Take care. <laughs> Take care. Bye. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Congressman Justin Amash. I was very excited to be able to get him to come onto the show. Uh, As he mentioned there, big shout out. to Dr. Eric Larson, past guest on this show. He is also a good friend of Justin Amash, and he was able to connect us to get this interview done. So uh, I-, I was personally excited to be able to bring uh, Justin Amash's voice to my libertarians, to the liberty movement, in a, a more of a long-form way than you might get, say, uh, when he's interviewed for a few minutes here and there on CNN, or you just see an article uh, written about how lonely he is. So I was glad we were able to dive a little bit more into his path to liberty and into uh, how we sort of operates and, and filters those ideas of liberty into his congressional votes, into his time as a congressman. So uh big thank you to Dr. Eric Larson. Big thank you to Congressman Amash for taking the time out of his busy day. Uh, as you heard there, he did have to uh, get away and get to some votes. And uh, so we were able to have to cut things fairly short, shorter than you're used to hearing here. But you know what? I feel like I've earned a little break. I feel like I've earned a little bit of a shorter show. Just this one, very one time, especially considering... Everything that is coming ahead in the next few months here at Lions of Liberty, we uh, are mixing up our format a little bit. As we've mentioned a few times, we are infusing our roundtable format, our Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor Style Shows, into our uh, other programs here. Uh, For those of you new to this show, if there are those of you who may have come on board uh, via the interview with Justin Amash or just happened to stumble upon the program today, we do three shows here at Lions of Liberty, this program every single Monday, where I interview all sorts of great leaders and minds in the libertarian movement. I then pass the baton on Wednesdays to the venerable Brian McWilliams for his epic shot ...of comedy, culture, and liberty, and often mispronounced, yet well-intended phrases and verbiage of his. So tune into that every Wednesday. And of course, you also have John Odermat and his hard-hitting, very important and very inspiring look at the Broken Criminal Justice System on Felony Friday. But as I mentioned here, all three of these programs are going to be incorporating our very popular format, Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor, where we just kick back, have some drinks, and uh, talk about... Whatever the subjects that may come up at the time, we don't really plan those shows out too much in advance, but we are very excited to be bringing you a little bit more of that. That is the stuff we get the most feedback on from our Patreon supporters, our members of the Lions of Liberty Pride. You can find out more about that over at patreon.com slash Liberty, And our Patreon really is the lifeblood of this show. The money that we get from there goes directly into the show. None of us take a single dollar out of it. It all goes right back into producing content content like you here today and all the extra content we're able to do by being able to go to events like Porkfest, like the Libertarian National Convention, both of which we were able to hit last year and bring you a ton of extra content from those places. Uh, We are going to be going back to Porkfest this year, so we'll be talking a lot more about what we have planned there coming up. That is at the end of June. Be sure to get your tickets ASAP. They are never going to be cheaper than they are right now. I believe if you just go over to Porkfest, P-O-R-C, porkfest.com, you should be able to find uh, early bird pricing still at this point. But the point being is that our Patreon program helps us to fund the show and helps us to not sweat the bills uh, because you guys sweat the bills for us. And we really, really do appreciate that. We appreciate it so much that we pump out tons and tons of bonus content. We don't just beg for money. We give you a ton in exchange, both audio and video content. Uh, we do a bonus show called Conspiracy Corner, where we obviously dive into Various conspiracy theories. We also do a show called The League of Liberty along with my good friends Roger Paxton of The Lava Flow Podcast, Chris Spangle of We Are Libertarians, and Johnny Rocket Adams of Of Blast Off with Johnny and Raylene Lightheart. And uh, these are all shows you should be subscribing to, by the way. If you are new to the Libertarian realm or new to this podcast or new to any of these shows, you got to check them out. They all bring a lot to the table, a lot of different takes on what's going on in the Libertarian movement. So I highly recommend every show you just heard me mention. That's why I mentioned them. That's how we roll here. But we do a ton of bonus content. Uh, There really is no shortage of it. And I would be remiss not to mention The newest feature we have, it is Brian McWilliams' epic radio drama called Do Nothing Man. And uh, if you have not heard that show, my lord, my lord, there is a free version that was put out on this very podcast feed the other week, so do go back and check that out. The latest one uh, had Do Nothing Man facing off against somebody called... The Minimum Rager, yes. Yes, quite exciting stuff. Uh, Again, so much bonus content for you over there on our Patreon. One last thing i got to tell you about is something that's been brewing for a while. We brought it back at the end of last year, and it's finally going to be returning two weeks from today, barring unforeseen circumstances, which uh, do happen time to time in podcasting. But we are going to bring back the Liberty Draft that is right, the Liberty Draft shall be returning. We had a little bit of a supplemental draft a few months ago. We've expanded the Liberty Draft to six teams. The Liberty Draft, of course, is where we do a sort of a fantasy baseball, fantasy football type draft of figures in the Libertarian movement trying to build the best Liberty team to be judged by listeners of this program. So, a very exciting course of events that will take place over the year or so. Over the next few months, we'll do a a round here, round there, and just keep it going. We're going to really stretch this thing out. We're really going to milk it because that's how we roll here at Lions Liberty. We milk the good stuff. We milk the fun, but we are not milking today's episode. It is a shorty. I am going to wrap things up. Please do not forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss all of the great programming we have. And please, if you do like what we do here, please consider supporting us on Patreon over at patreon.com slash Liberty. And again, today's episode of Lions of Liberty has been brought to you by MathBot.com. The pen may be mightier than the sword, but my friends, code is even mightier than the pen. So learn how to build the tools that will bring prosperity and freedom to the world and learn how to code over at MathBot.com. Once again, that is MathBot.com. Become mighty, my friends. And until next time, live long and live free.